Welcome into episode 70 of Cowboy Driver Free, the podcast. My name is Joel Penfield, and as always, I'm joined by Philip Slayman. How are you doing this evening? Um, I've been better. How are you, Joel? Well, um, I'll let this do the talking. That should sum it up, right? Yeah, I'm already two in, so. Well, there, there we go, yeah. Um, and Oktoberfest, we're not, we're not chugging Bud Lights over here, like, we're going... No, I, I, mean, I, I am drinking uh, Breckenridge Brewery Agave Wheat. It's pretty amazing. I got lost, lost, lost 40 Oktoberfest. That's what I'm down at over here. Okay. Not a huge Oktoberfest guy, but I respect it. Mm, it's a good Oktoberfest. It's the way it should be done. All right. Uh, moving on before we spend an entire podcast on beer, which I could absolutely do. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's talk about the <sighs> game on Saturday. Are you sure you don't want to talk about beer instead? I mean, we absolutely could. I would be just fine with that. <laughs> oh man, just another 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 a lot of things. things. Yeah, there, there's a lot I could go here. Trying to keep this thing as PG as I can. Um, Oklahoma State laid another egg at home, but plain and simple. Uh, losing to Iowa State, 48-42. There's a lot of different directions we could start here, but I think we should just start with the point that. Oklahoma State consistently, and they did it again on Saturday, makes true freshmen or third-string quarterbacks look like All-Americans that have been four-year starters. Yeah, uh, pretty – I don't know what it is. And if you, if you want to blame the defense, you can try. But on some of those throws, Purdy was putting, I mean, on-point, pinpoint, laser-guided accuracy on some throws where he was on the run and under pressure. And that is not the kind of thing you see from a true freshman quarterback. Um, I know it happens a lot against OSU. I don't know what it is when third, fourth, fifth string former walk-on wide receivers seem to be able to play quarterback like they're Tom Brady or Peyton Manning against Oklahoma State, and especially in Stillwater. But it happened again on Saturday. Um, And I can only imagine whoever Iowa State plays next week, he will come out and start and look like a true freshman quarterback not like the uh, second coming of Joe Montana. Yeah, to his credit, like Brock Purdy played an extremely impressive game. Like he made some throws that I couldn't even be upset because our defense was playing perfectly or had it played perfectly and the ball just dropped in. Like he was very impressive. And I, you know, that takes some, some cojones to go out there as a true freshman on the road and play as well as he did. So, I mean, you take that with a grain of salt, but that doesn't excuse the fact that Oklahoma State still just did not play well. Uh, you know, offensively, they did enough to win the game. Realistically, you put you put up 42 against a team, an Iowa State team that, while their defense is really good, their offense has not been all season, and to still go out there and lose is just infuriating. Yeah, you know the defense. Before we get to the offense, and and the offensive line was bad, but the defense, I, I don't know. You, you take your pick uh, of who is worse on Saturday between the offensive line and the defense. The defensive line wasn't terrible but the secondary is an issue and for the third week in a row non-starting quarterbacks true freshman Alan Bowman uh, Carter Stanley last week and then Purdy this week uh, looked really really good I forget the stat but it's a it's an almost there's at least a 70 percent completion rate when those three are combined and they're throwing deep passes and beating OSU's corners and secondary um this secondary is young. Uh, 
Jared Bernard, Colby Peel are getting legitimate minutes. Those are true freshmen, and they are getting real minutes in these games um, that matter. And it's a concern moving forward. I don't know if these guys are going to be good. I think they are. I think I see flashes of of potential. Um, They played better in the second half. But even with some of those perfectly thrown balls, there were a couple of occasions where had the defender just turned around and looked for it, they'd have swatted it down, no problem. But they didn't. Um, and, And that is a concern moving forward that they that Coach Duffy, who coaches the secondary, is going to have to work on. Because if it doesn't get better soon, OSU is just going to keep getting torched. And if you look down the schedule with OU and Baylor and West Virginia, if you think what Iowa State did was gross, it can actually get worse. Yeah, I hate thinking that it's going to get worse, but there's a high likelihood that it's going to. And I don't like I've mentally prepared myself for that. But it's not going to get any easier to watch as a fan, that's for sure. Uh, let's kind of go to the offense real quick, because we could spend all day talking about how bad the defense played. But at the end of the day, you know, they did enough to try and hold hold Oklahoma State in the game in the second half to where it still was winnable. But offensively, it starts and ends with the offensive line. They gave Taylor Cornelius no time to throw. They gave Justice no ability to make anybody miss because he had no running lane whatsoever. He didn't even average three yards a carry yesterday. Yeah, it was his worst yards per carry game since his freshman season. And I think that probably was against Iowa State, too. I think he only had like 50-something yards in that game in 2016. So they kind of have his numbers, at least in Boone Pickens Stadium. He rushed for over 100 last year in Ames. But, you know, I overall, I thought Taylor Cornelius played well. I mean, QBR doesn't look that great at 52, but I think a lot of that was just his incompletions. But he put some great throws out there when he had time or when he could, you know, set his feet on the run, but it felt like he was just running for his life the entire game. He'd have a second, second and a half, and then there was someone in his face and he had to make something happen, which he can do, but it's not his specialty. So there I'm really concerned that the offensive line is going to do the season in in a way that they Oklahoma State may not even make a bowl game. I know that might be a little bit of an overreaction, but if they don't win this week, I'm deeply, deeply concerned that we won't go bowling at all. Yeah, we can get to Kansas State a little later, but and there's two points to make about Cornelius one I do think he played when he had a chance he played one of his better games which sounds really bad but I think he played fairly well the problem for Cornelius right now is that if he doesn't have time he's not quick at going through his reads and he's not quick at making decisions it's one of the reasons that he overthrows and underthrows and really overthrows those deep passes so often is he takes too long to throw the ball usually by a second or two, but a second or two is huge in football. And when defenses are able to get to him, especially with an offensive line that it's given up, putting defenses in the backfield so often, and there were white shirts in the backfield all day on Saturday, he can't get the ball out quick enough. He can't make decisions and he can't make reads quick enough to be able to force the defense to to not blitz so often. And that's exactly what Iowa State did. They threw blitz after blitz after blitz because it kept working and Cornelius couldn't beat it. And I don't know if that's something that you can fix with him this season. I don't I just don't think he's that kind of quarterback. I think he needs a little time for things to develop and when he has an opportunity, he can be pretty good. But with this offensive line and as porous as it is and has been so far, he's not, I don't see how he's suddenly going to be able to get quicker, especially getting the ball out fast enough to adjust to make defenses stop blitzing and and actually 
hang back. Yeah, it's a problem, and that's for sure. Um, it doesn't help when his receivers will drop wide open passes or easily catchable balls. That doesn't help the morale at all. Uh, we saw that a couple times last night as well. Um, I think that just the infuriating part, at least for me, was Oklahoma's and – and this is just like a little thing, but it was the fact that on third and 18, Oklahoma State was trying to run play action. Like, that there's no no defense is going to try and fall for that. Like, there's nothing you're going to do on that play besides just throw it deep. So even trying to run action just made zero sense to me. Yeah, there were a number of play calls I wasn't really happy with. Um, one of the decisions... I mean, there's not many was... plays in the playbook. So there's not many plays in the playbook for third and 18 to begin with. No. But to try and fake a run there just makes zero sense. Well, I mean, it's that's conservative Gundy coming up. Conservative Gundy came out a lot in this game. And, I mean, we've seen conservative Gundy rear his ugly head in both losses, specifically right before halftime. I mean, instead of calling a timeout with two minutes left when you knew you were going to get the ball and allowing yourself some time to try and march down the field and maybe at least attempt a long field goal, he didn't. They got the ball back. They didn't have. They had 16 seconds, and they, they, they ran the ball, which is exactly the kind of gunny thing to do. It went nowhere, and they just went to the locker room. I mean, it's the same thing they kind of did against Texas Tech two weeks ago. It's the same thing. I always go back to that West Virginia game last year, where Oklahoma State could have put the nail in the coffin in the first half, but decided not to. West Virginia got the ball back, marched down the field, and, and scored a touchdown. Now, OSU won. But it let West Virginia get back into that game last year. And it's such a Gundy thing that we've come to expect where it's the end of the half. We need to go down. And you're only down nine points at halftime. You go down, and if you make a field goal, it's a six-point game. That's a whole—it's an entirely different game going to the second half if it's six points instead of nine going in halftime. But Gundy refuses to do anything, and I also think that's what's cost him in both losses. Look, I like Gundy. Uh, I'm not someone who thinks Gundy needs to go. If you're one of those people, that's fine. You're allowed your opinion. You're wrong, but that's that's fine. It's your opinion. Um, but for the second time this season, Gundy's been outcoached by a coach who was more willing to throw everything and be aggressive. Because what Iowa State threw at Oklahoma State this weekend was brilliant. That If you paid attention to Iowa State coming into this game, that was not Iowa State's offense. They weren't doing quarterback runs. They weren't doing that much RPO. They weren't doing screens and quick slants. Um, they just they weren't doing that in the play. That was not in the playbook. That was not on tape. And they threw that stuff out left and right at Oklahoma State on Saturday. It's a completely different scheme with a completely different quarterback no one had seen all year. But the same thing can be said for the defense. I think it was Robert Allen. I was listening to the radio broadcast uh, on the way back home most of the second half. And... Iowa State against OU and TCU basically didn't run a corner blitz the either game. They ran at least six against OSU on Saturday. They blitzed the snot out of Oklahoma State on Saturday. They weren't a blitzing team, but it was working. And that's what they did over and over and over again. OSU came in preparing for a completely different team than what they faced on Saturday. And I give complete credit to Matt Campbell for just saying, we've got to win this game. Let's get creative, let's do something different, and let's go win. And Mike Gundy got beat because of it. And it's the kind of thing where Mike Gundy gets beat a lot when he goes with a simple thing, he's conservative, they don't try and do anything different, and they get beat time and time again. Used to, it only really hurt them uh, in Bedlam games. Now it's hurting them against Texas Tech and Iowa State. It's almost like making adjustments week to week to figure out how to beat your opponent on something not on film is a key to success. I didn't realize, again, I, I say, like I say this every week, I didn't realize that was that hard of a concept. 
Well, but you can't it's, like how do you prepare yeah. for something you've never yeah, seen no, a that, team do? That, fair, you can't but, do that. But you could also yeah. argue that because I think the defense did a decent job adjusting in the second half. They really did. Um, they did. Yeah, they made changes. They put, pointed at things you didn't do this, you didn't do this, and especially specifically the secondary. We talked about this played better in the second half, but the offense didn't. You're still looking for Justice Hill runs where. You weren't getting him out into space. You weren't getting him the ball in space. Speaking of runs, where has JD King been? Did he no have? Kidding. He didn't have it a carry helps. the entire game, and that's the guy I think is going to do a better job of bulldozing his way through a couple of defenders. I like Justice a lot. He is really, really good. He can make a guy miss, but you can't make the second and the third guy miss, especially when they're hitting you four yards behind the yard, the line of scrimmage. Yeah, he had zero carries yesterday. I'm looking at it. Justice had 24. Taylor had 14. Chuba had two. And that's pretty much everyone that touched the ball. Did he have 14 or did he just not get rid of the ball 14 times and either get sacked or try and run to do something? Well, the box score says 14 carries, but I'd say at least nine to 10 of those were him having to desperately scramble away. That's my guess. Yeah. And I think carries count in sacks, if I remember correctly, which, yeah. I think, yeah. And he got sacked six times, seven times. Yeah, that'll do it. Actually, I'll look at that real quick. Uh, yeah, he got sacked seven times. By Iowa State had seven six different sacks. guys. Iowa State had six sacks coming into this game on the season. Six. They had seven on Saturday. Yeah, by seven different guys, too. That's kind of impressive, actually. Maybe we shouldn't have thought Mike Gundy was just being an idiot when he said that the offensive line was a problem and that they couldn't really run the ball after that Texas Tech game. Uh, we, yeah. all, we all thought he was full of it when they did well against Kansas, and we all forgot that it's Kansas. And as we said coming into this game, Iowa State's got one of the better defenses in the Big 12, and they schemed beautifully to beat Oklahoma State. They did. And they, they completely outplayed, outmatched, outcoached everything, you know, yesterday. And, you know, credit to Matt Campbell for bringing in a new game plan and just kind of kicking our teeth in, really, on our home field. And that, that it just continues to boggle my mind that Oklahoma State's lost five of their last seven home games, home conference games. Yeah, that I don't know what the problem is at home. I've seen some quote-unquote theories on Twitter. I think most of those are just upset people making nonsense accusations and thoughts. I don't know what the problem is because the fan base is loud. They're into it. Um, I think the players care about I don't think any players like, I don't care. I don't think anyone likes losing at home. But for some reason, right now, they've been better on the road than at home. And it is it is astounding and confounding. And I wish that we had an answer. But, I mean, I've, I've watched all these games like you have and everyone else has. And there's nothing that says this is the reason that OSU's finding ways to win on the road but can't seem to do uh, so at home in the Big 12. Now, that may change this week against Kansas State. Um, but I don't, I, don't know what, I don't know what's going on. I don't. Yeah, I wish there was some kind of thing we could point to, but I just don't – I just have no idea where – it's really – it's a, it's just mind-boggling. It really is how Oklahoma State can just lay eggs at home but then find ways to win these close games on the road. Like It it doesn't make sense. And I, I think I saw, I saw a great tweet. I can't remember who said – I think it was Kyle Cox from Pistols Firing said – no, it was, uh, it was Kyle Boone that said, you know, at 12, Oklahoma State's down 12 at home. The last in the fourth going in the fourth quarter, last three years, you still feel pretty good. Oklahoma State can come back. It felt insurmountable. It was something to that effect, and that's really like, well, that's the difference. Started, and I, I just felt like, 
yeah, I just don't I just don't feel good about this game at all. And that's just a lot obviously a lot of the turnover from the team, you know, from the yeah. last couple of years, but it's just it's a bizarre thing to have that. That's the difference between Taylor Cornelius and, and Mason Rudolph. Like you're absolutely that's, right. That that is alone is the difference. If you've got Mason and James Washington on this team, you're you're feeling good. You had Mason on this team, you'd have been all right, we've done this before. Plus, they've done it before. We can do it again. It's a whole different team. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. <clears throat> it, and so far, we haven't seen anything to convince us that they can come back from a deficit because they, I mean, you've had an early deficit against Boise State, but it's not the same thing. Like they, it, was they, early, they, it was an early on deficit. Yeah. they. You haven't seen them. I mean, Texas Tech just, and I think the second half of Texas Tech is what is why you can't necessarily believe OSU is going to come back in the second half because this is the second time. I mean, they scored more this time. I mean, obviously, they scored nothing in the second half against Tech, but it's the combination of can this defense get stops and can this offense score? And I just, I mean, I don't have a I don't have a lot of confidence moving forward in what this team can do. My question is. Can you get to the? Can you get past Kansas State and get to the bye week and start figuring some things out? Um, because this season is, and I know it sounds like an overreaction, this season is on the edge of being worse than 2014 right now. And I, if you look at the schedule, I don't think that's an overreaction. I just I don't, especially after what happened with teams this weekend. No, I I agree with you, and I I think I think you tweeted this out last night and said this game is a must win. We talked about it in Slack, and you said this game is a must win. And I looked at the rest of the schedule and went absolutely. Oklahoma State has to win this game, get to the bye week, refresh, recover, and then you have te- Texas coming in the next week, right? So it's you're at Kansas State next week. You get a bye week to to try and recuperate. The close the last five games are in order: Texas at home. At Baylor, at OU, West Virginia, and at TCU. That is yeah, I, Texas. I, who I, I'm not going to say Texas is back, but they look legit. OU, who, uh, OU, whose offense is still good. They just have a bad defense. Uh, West Virginia, who looks like mistake prone. I still think West Virginia is 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 this year's OSU from 2017. I think there's a lot of comparisons in in what they do well and what they don't. Um, and then you in the year at TCU, which if you don't beat Kansas State this week, and even at Baylor, like Baylor has the potential to pull off a win somewhere. And as poor as the second team as the spe- uh, secondary has played for OSU at times this season, Baylor can chunk that ball down the field. Charlie um, Brewer's got a cannon. Charlie Brewer, I still think, is one of the three best quarterbacks in the Big Twelve this year. Like I'd put him third. He just doesn't have a good team. Um. Uh, that game has that game has scared me all season, especially sandwiched between Texas and Oklahoma. Um, so outside of Baylor and Kansas State, where are you guaranteed another win? Where I mean, I looked at ESPN's Not. FBI. Somehow OSU still favored against Texas and Baylor um, and Kansas State, and even West Virginia a little bit. But TCU is now at fifty percent, and the, the I, so I don't. Six, seven wins is now the uh, high-end ceiling for this team. Um, and the floor is not good. Like five. 
five six maybe. I mean, honestly, I, the floor is now four where you're at right now. There, yeah. I, I, I <laughs> crazier things have happened. OSU beat right. OU in 2014. I'm not saying that OSU is done by any means. I think these coaches are smart. I think they can rebound. I think they can make changes and adjustments and figure some things out. But they've got to figure out how to win this week with what they've got because I don't see any wholesale or, or, or full-on changes heading into Kansas State. If those are going to happen, it's going to be in the bye week, so they have two weeks prepared for Texas with those. So they've got to figure out how to how to get out of Manhattan with a win um, this coming Saturday. Um, I don't want to talk too much about that. We'll have another podcast on that on up on Thursday. Um, let's let's go with something that I think was positive for the game, and that was the uni combo. Oh, that was nice. That was nice. I know you're not a huge fan of the Ed Hardy helmet, but what did you think about it? All black. I like all black. I I don't. It doesn't have the impact for me it used to because they've they've done it enough times, and I think the orange pants are so awesome with the black and black that I think black, black, orange is better than black, black, black. I understand that everybody loves all black. I understand recruits love all black. It's an awesome look. It really is. Um, it's, I mean, how do I put this? It's it's not my favorite, but it's a great look. I mean, it looked really, really nice on the field. I, I was very impressed with it. And I know we kind of alluded to this in the last one. I just don't like Iowa State's uniforms at all. No. Just something about it. I just, no. 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 I, I their their updated Ronald McDonald restaurant <laughs> look is just it's like modern USC and I don't mean that in a good way. I just I don't like what they I don't like the uniforms. I agree with you. Yeah, so I've, at least we found something positive to talk about with this game. There was a ton of negative. At least or at least we look good on the field. Yeah, absolutely. That's something. <laughs> Uh, do you have any final thoughts? Because I feel like we could go on for about two hours about everything that went wrong, but I think we hit the the big spots, and we can hope that uh, that this that coming Saturday will be better and there's more good things to talk about with this team. Yeah, I'm going to say one other thing. Um, Gundy's really smart, and he makes really good hires, but his refusal to hire a special teams coordinator continues to bite him in the ass. I This whole... And this whole having a, a a an analyst and a and a graduate assistant co running special teams is not working. We saw it again. I mean, they were bad again on Saturday. I I'm not saying again that the special teams caused to issue this game, but that dropped punt turned into a safety completely changed the feeling of the game. Oh, that's completely changed the momentum of that game. And I, if, if (laughs) it's time to hire a special teams coordinator, I don't know who, what, what other position you got to figure out. I don't care. Um, if, if, if the D line is playing great, uh, so having two defensive line coaches is great. Fine. But you got to figure out how to get a special teams coordinator, and you better go hire a good one, because this is ridiculous. Whereas OSU used to be one of the best special teams in the country because it matters, it is a joke now, and I am sick and tired of watching it. Forget just being able to get a kickoff or punt return. I just want basic, competent 
special teams that doesn't shoot itself in the foot at least once a game, if not three times or more. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I understand what you're saying. I don't know how much coaching goes into a snap off your face mask. Um, but man, that's just, yeah, I, that's when the game really flipped for me. Like, I, I had a feeling, I still kind of thought at that time, okay, they can try and bounce back. But then quick touchdown from Iowa State, and I went, this doesn't feel good. This just does not feel good. And it's, it's crazy how a little play like that, that in the grand scheme of things, is not always the, the end-all be-all it completely changed the complexion of the game for Oklahoma State and Iowa State for that matter. It yeah. brought the, it completely brought gave them a little bit of momentum. I know they got the stop kind of, you know, deep in Oklahoma State territory, but you know, that's not gonna, you know, completely shift the momentum, especially that early in the game. No. It just also I like to remind everybody, um, if you want to blame somebody, I did pick Iowa State to win this. Not like that, not with that score, but I did pick Iowa State to win. Yeah, who would have thought that the the combined score would be ninety? No one. Yeah, like I hope you took the over. I know life's too short to bet the under, but man, there's no way that I didn't think they would hit the over by like what forty five. Over under was like five. Yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, I, I didn't see that many points in this game. The only way I saw that many points in this game is if OSU just blew them out. Not like that. Like I. All right, I'm done talking about this game. I, I need happy I'm thoughts fine. to prepare for the work week. Yeah, let's move on. Yeah, I need I need some happy thoughts here. So. Uh, there's nothing else to really talk about that's happy, but let's just be done talking about this and kind of forget it ever happened, even though this is going to be on the internet forever. Ah, uh, the internet. Uh, so great. Uh, where can they follow you on Twitter? Uh, you can follow me personally at OKTXARPoke. It's Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. You can also follow my podcast, which is all about the Big 12. I talk a lot less on it than I do here. That's the 1012 Podcast. You can find it on SoundCloud or iTunes or follow it on Twitter at 1012 Podcast. It's the number 10, the number 12, the word podcast. All right. You can follow me at JT Penfield. Be sure to follow the main site at Cowboys RFF. Uh, stay locked on the site. We'll have kind of wrap up on as unfortunate as it is. We'll wrap up this game and then have uh, content up for the rest of the week talking about Kansas State and basketball starting soon. So that'll give us a little bit more to talk about as well. Uh, we will see everyone on Thursday for the next episode of the podcast. Take care and have a good week.